0: Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you determine the life you want to lead and what next steps do you need to take to get there. And welcome to episode 21. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Darren Johnson. And this episode, we're joined by Megan B. Murphy. Now, Megan is the author of a brand new book, Your Fully Charged Life. And she's also an editor, on-air personality, lifestyle, and health expert and a home hack master, and also a certified trainer. Now, a little bit about Megan's background, everyone. She was named Editor-in-Chief of Women's Day Magazine, and she was charged with re-energizing that brand. The reach on this is over 18 million total audience every single month. Along with that, she's also been a regular guest expert on Live with Kelly and Ryan, and also on the Today Show. She's shot a year-long series for NBC News uh, called A Better Way, and she shared a lot of MacGyver-style home hacks and shortcuts. She's a media veteran, and we have a lot to learn about her career path, everyone. She's been a lifestyle correspondent for MTV. She also worked on Victoria's Secret creative team and helped launch the Pink Line. She was also at Cosmopolitan Magazine as a senior editor, covering relationships, health, and wellness. And as you follow her on Instagram, a great follow, by the way, you'll see how passionate she is about fitness and how that all fits into her life as a busy mom and as a professional. As you'll hear in this interview, Megan is high energy, she's upbeat. She was recently profiled in the documentary The Search for Aliveness and as its high energy rock star mom. Before I introduce you to Megan, think about in the past few days and the past week, month, how often have you said yes to things? And how does your calendar and your time reflect the fact that you are saying yes to everything? As a result, you may be overscheduled, you may be stressed out, you find yourself being mediocre <laughs> at everything and not great at one thing. As you hear from Megan, saying no more often and being intentional about doing that will help you increase your value in the workplace significantly, but also help you live a fully charged life, a life that is aligned with your values and your purpose. So now, without wasting any more time, welcome to episode 21 of the I Dare You podcast, and here is Megan B. Murphy. Megan, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. It's great to have you here.
1: Yay! (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: So tell me, um, you heard the introduction I gave to you. It doesn't seem quite fair to sum up your life in just about 15 seconds, but tell us a little bit about who you are and what, what did I miss in that introduction?
1: I well, mean, you got the broad strokes, right? So I've got a couple of day jobs. I'm the editor-in-chief of Women's Day. I am the co-host of Off the Gram. I am the author of Your Fully Charged Life, um, as seen on TV. So I'm a life hacker. Oftentimes, people recognize my scratchy voice from the Today Show or Live with Kelly and Ryan, where I'm often doing uh, DIYs or life hacks or different kinds of uh, lifestyle kind of content.
0: How did you you land where you are are right now? I I guess what I'm really asking, Megan, is your career path. I mean, is this what you thought you would be doing when you were... 18 19 20 years old in college was this it
1: um well i went to school for acting so not exactly (laughs) (laughs) um but i've had an interesting career path i mean i've been in magazines since i was 18 years old and i'm not 18 years old anymore um i've been doing this for maybe it's kind of crazy like nearly 25 years um And my career path was kind of winding, right? Um, I got my start by writing an essay um, about some adversity I had been through, won a scholarship contest. That translated into a magazine gig, my first magazine job at YM Magazine. They said, we wanna write about you. And I said, oh, I'd I'd rather write about myself and be an intern. Can I start Monday? Great, thanks, see you Monday. Um, And I wound up with an internship at YM Magazine, which quickly turned into a contributing editor gig because I was ballsy. Um, And then eventually that got me over to Teen People Magazine, which I helped start for Time Inc. at the time, all while studying acting at Mason Gross School of the Arts at Rutgers. Um, And also then wound up with like an on-air gig at MTV simultaneously and you know, we're just kind of doing all the things, chasing what excited me and kind of feeling like everything was always possible.
0: How did that, how did that occur? Um, talk so to us a really, bit about that.
1: Yeah. So the, so the first gig was YM Magazine. It was a teen magazine, which now rest in peace. Um, but I was named, uh, ultimately named contributing editor, um, worked there for a couple of years, was tapped by Time Inc., worked on the start of Teen People Magazine. From there, I went to uh, Cosmo. was a senior editor at Cosmo for a number of years. From there, I went to Self Magazine um, where I was a deputy and fitness director. Spent nine years there at Condé Nast and then jumped over to Good Housekeeping where I was the executive editor for six years. And I've been at the helm at Woman's Day for about over two years now. So if I really look at that path. I mean, it, my life stage mirrored my career stage. I was working at magazines that completely aligned with my life stage, right? I was a teen in the teen books. I was single, sex in the city style at Cosmo. You know, self was my self-formative years. It's when I got engaged and married and had my three kids. Um, and then good housekeeping, ironically, or not so ironically, probably was when I moved to the suburbs and got a house with a, with a fence and a swing set and started raising family and Woman's Day I took over at the height of the pandemic and really just aimed to make it a destination celebration where no holiday was left behind from taco to Tuesday to Christmas and it was really a way for me to punctuate really tough days during the pandemic with moments of levity and light and great recipes and excuses to celebrate and um, that's what I did.
0: So you know Women's Day magazine then when you talk about that through the pandemic I mean how, was that part of your strategy overall as far as help having the Women's Day magazine being part of, boy, this sounds so glib, but to be part of the solution or a day brightener or something people look forward to? Or was that just naturally the content that was Women's Day from the get-go?
1: You know, I, I definitely uh, reinvented it a bit. You know, I was also finishing my book at the time, and my book is Your Fully Charged Life a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with yay. And a lot of what I do is helping people create happiness habits and a happiness routine and punctuating moments that are really hard in life with, with levity and light and helping people get through things with grit and grace. So taking over the magazine. That's all I knew how to do, right? That's what I, that's what I was doing in my own life. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I knew how to do. It's what I needed. So I figured that's what people maybe needed. And so, you know, not overly strategic, just what I, I mean, I was, I was drowning and that's what I needed. So that's what I gave to other people as well.
0: Wow. Hey, in, in your career path, you're approach is one to be, um, boy, saying yes to a lot of things, never saying no to opportunities, maybe being very direct and asking for opportunities. Am I, I'm, am I off base here? And if I am close to target, what advice do you have for people who are maybe new in their career and how do they, how do they really go for it?
1: Um, so you're actually wrong. I say really? no a heck of a lot. I love to say no. I'm a relentless professional no-sayer.
0: Tell, tell, tell me more. In what way?
1: I only say yes when it really lights me up. I say, say yes when it charges me and it fully charges me and it's something that aligns with my core values and feels right and exciting. Most things don't do that. So, so when I say yes, it's because I care, because I feel something, and because I can't say no because it matters that much and it feels that right and exciting.
0: Okay, so... So then, uh, in that in that spirit of that, how, how do you how does one know? How do you figure that out? Is it a is it a prescription or is it one of a feeling? What what, what have you learned in your own experience about that?
1: Um, I think you just have to to really like do a gut check and understand like what do I really care about in life? Like what what matters to me? Okay, so what I know what matters to me is my family. My family is my priority number one. My kids are priority number one. How is saying yes to this? going to impact them. If it's going to negatively impact them, then the answer is no. If it's going to pull my time away from them, um, then it's a no, right? So it's like understanding what matters most to you. And then kind of doing a gut check on how what you're saying yes to impacts that.
0: Now, tell me a little bit about your brand new book. And I'd like to know where'd the inspiration come for it of all the topics that you could choose. Uh, to write a book and the title. Um, h- how did you land here? Uh, fascinating book. I love it.
1: Um, so for me, you know, I, I've been on a journey, right? I started as sort of an angsty, um, troubled kid. I um, had some really, really tough teen years, hospitalizations, eating disorder, best friends, suicide. Like, you know, I, oh, I, I went through, I went through some tough crap. Um, and ultimately with therapy and, you know, lots of different strategies and techniques, which I, I talk about in the book, I was able to pull myself out of that and sort of transform from a kid that was nicknamed grumpy to somebody who now really kind of moves through life with grit and grace. And I have more good days than bad. And I, and I have the resources and the toolkit to pick myself up when things are hard. And so When my father was dying of pancreatic cancer, I had gone to to chemotherapy with him one day. And and I said, dad, how do you wanna be remembered? Like, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, And in that moment, it really dawned on me that I better ask myself the same question. And I don't wanna have to be dying of pancreatic cancer to ask myself that question. And so in that moment of self-reflection, I really did realize that I wanted to be known for a legacy of positive energy. And I wanted to be able to give people some of the tools that had helped me so much that it helped me transform from somebody who didn't always want to get out of bed to somebody who can jump out of bed. Um, And even when I don't ever feel like it, I have the tools to get me there.
0: Yeah. Well, that's very purpose-driven as far as that book, your fully charged life. How, tell me about these, Practices or uh, uh, ideas within the book, are, where did they come from for you? Are they self taught or are they something you've learned along the way from others? How did I you mean, land on these?
1: The beauty of being a service journalist for 25 years is that I've written or edited or reported on all of these things, right? So if a topic interests me, well, then I for sure was researching and reporting and writing on it. And so a lot of this is from 25 years of research using myself as a guinea pig, and then translating those tips and tricks and strategies to the book. I'm somebody who loves science. I lean into the research. I love the fields of positive psychology and neuroscience. Um, When I was a senior editor at Cosmopolitan, I was assigned a story to write called The Seven Secrets of Happiness. And it was in writing that story for the first time that I really started to learn about um, the work of Martin Seligman, I learned about the perma theory of wellness and it was as close to an aha moment as I ever had because it was looking at his work. um, And Martin Seligman is the forefather of positive psychology. So in the late 90s, he was the person for the first time that sort of said, what if we stop looking at what's wrong with people and we look at what's right with people and what makes them thrive? And if we try to emulate those key characteristics or those key behaviors or traits that help people thrive, what changes? Instead of looking at what's wrong with people and how to fix it. And it really, really impacted me. It really, really resonated. It was the first time that I realized, listen, I'm a type A doer. I can actually do happiness, right? There are things I can do. There are science proven strategies that could actually move the happiness needle. And what if I tried them? And so I began to live a little bit differently and I began to realize, wow, these things work. So the way the book is structured is I start with the positive charge and that's really how to retrain your brain, how to reprogram your neural plasticity, right? Your neural pathways to more automatically see the good, choose the good, travel those pathways. I have tricks for reframing things, um, and, and lots of good stuff in that positive charge chapter. Then I look at the health charge chapter, right? Uh, because the health charge chapter is like, listen, you need to move your body and you need to protect your sleep because those things matter. Here's how you do it. All of the, the strategies are fun filtered though, because I understand having been a service journalist for 25 years, you can give people all the science they want, but if you don't give them fun filtered strategies to actually take that advice, they're not going to act. Yeah. So what can I, how can I make this more fun? Um, the love charge chapter is about the importance of the people in your life, your relationships, and not just the relationships with your spouse or your mother-in-law or your kids, but your, your relationship with the cashier, your relationship with the UPS person, those so-called weak ties, and, and really the power of those so-called weak ties to give us those lightning bolts of good energy throughout the course of a day. Um, the recharge chapter is about loss. Um, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of security and safety in this crazy world. What can we do to move through that more easily? That's the recharge chapter. Um, The extra charge chapter is fun. Those are those extra things in life, like buying yourself fresh cut flowers. There's Harvard research that says that's mood magic. Why a mess equals stress and that clearing clutter can actually improve your mood. Making your bed can make you more productive. It's one simple act. That small sense of accomplishment first thing in the morning can lead you to have a full day of productivity and happiness. And then the work charge chapter is all about making your work work for you, finding passion and purpose. Um, Even if you can't change the what of the work, what else can you focus on? to make the work more fulfilling. If you got to get that paycheck.
0: Oh my gosh. I love it. And so you're talking, you're not just talking about opinions. You're saying you've got some science-based some evidence-based research here that backs all this up.
1: 45 pages of citations, right? This is not what Megan Murphy thinks. This is what Megan Murphy did, lived, researched, reported on, and am giving you back.
0: (laughs) I love that. Now, I was—I stated a bold statement. I was wrong. Let me see if I can reverse that here. Right. Um, all right, here we go. So you talk about focusing on what's right as opposed to um, what they need to fix or what's wrong. Would you agree with me that that's? Well, I tell you, it's more difficult than ever right now. And I'm—I'm I'm looking at social media. I'm looking at the social comparison that we all do as humans.
1: I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't control it, right? But you do. It's, it's first starts with an awareness, right? Like our negativity bias is incredibly strong. We are primarily programmed to focus on what sucks. And guess what? A lot of stuff sucks. So how can we actively consciously acknowledge that stuff, right? Like you're not, this is not turn a blind eye to what's hard or what's awful. Let's acknowledge it. Let's sit with it. Let's understand it but let's also make an effort to focus on what doesn't suck and allow those things to be loud also. That's really the key distinction. I really always love to talk about this. Yes, I prioritize positivity. I lean into positivity, but there's nothing toxically positive about me. I absolutely see what sucks. I understand the horrors of the world and I don't hide from them but I don't let that be all I see. I think what I like to say to people is yes, like I wanna look on the bright side, but I have to look on all the sides. You need to see what's dark in order to, to bask in the light.
0: Does it matter if you are, you know, the gender that, that you are or is it no, there's universal? No,
1: no, there's no gender bias in this. There's no age bias. There's no geographical bias. It's just a human bias, right? It, you know, I, I think this applies to all people.
0: Tell me a little bit more of the power of weak ties. Um, I will tell you the reason why I'm asking this, I was just talking to a friend of mine and he mentioned this. He said, you know what? His goal, (laughs) his goal every day is to wherever he goes, he just wants to make it just a little bit better. I said, what do you mean by that? He was talking about whenever he goes to the gas station or to Costco and Is that what you mean by the power of weak ties? And why is it so um, important from a science standpoint?
1: Well, absolutely. He's awesome. I like your friend.
0: Um, (laughs) He's a friend of mine.
1: Yeah, that's pretty great. So, I mean, there's lots and lots of science behind this. It's pretty amazing that something as simple as stepping out of yourself and acknowledging someone else can be a lightning bolt of electrical energy. And it's because it reminds us that we're connected to something bigger than ourselves, that we're not in this alone, that we're part of a community and we are stepping outside of ourselves to recognize that. And it's very, very simple. And I I love to say this to people, it's not like you gotta go braid each other's hair or barbecue, it's just an acknowledgement. It's a putting down of the phone. It's eye contact, it's a smile especially as we're starting to be able to take our masks off. We haven't even seen each other in two years. Right. And we need each other. We absolutely need each other. And I think it's important to remember that you just don't ever know what someone else is going through. And sometimes it is just that smile and that acknowledgement that reminds somebody that guess what? I matter. Somebody else cares they have acknowledged, I, I was just in the grocery store and there was a woman sitting there in a wheelchair and I'm not quite sure why she was planted there, but I made an effort just to smile and to say hello. And I can, I could feel her light up with that moment of acknowledgement. Yeah. Cause it's, it was no sweat off of my back to put my, take my head out of my phone and just to, to look up to make eye, eye contact and smile. But I could feel, I could see that that moment of interaction changed her. I have no idea what she's going through. I have no idea what her day looks like, but I feel, I could feel that current. Me acknowledging her mattered. How we show up matters.
0: Yeah, uh, look, you said you feel that current and that's real, isn't it? I mean, when you are around each other and you you have that connection with someone, you really can feel that reaction and I don't know what that's called from a science standpoint here Megan but um that's that's not just a feeling there's something real there isn't there
1: oh, there's energy there's like yeah. a, there's an energy exchange and I think that's what's important to remember our energy affects other people right and and for for, for the good for the bad for the ugly right we yeah. uh, how we show up matters because we affect other people I was also at the gym this morning and I'm just doing my workout, going through my routine. And after class, this woman came up to me and she said, I really appreciate your energy. You made me show up too. And God, that felt good, right? I was sucking wind. I was like kind of dying with some of the choreography, but I just kept energy up and that impacted her. It made her stay stay in it and Mm -hmm. give a little bit more and give a little bit better.
0: You know, for those who are listening, you're either in your car, you're at work, wherever you may be, but you're probably in your your daily routine and you're going through the, you know, through your routine, whether that be to the store, to school, to wherever. And I, my challenge to you is that think about what Megan is putting out here and uh, think about who you can impact today just by um, seeing them, just by talking to them, saying hello, uh, giving them a specific compliment whatever that might mean to you, but it does take just the small changes like putting your phone down, being more aware, um, looking around the room, reading the room. And it's some, it's an art that it's an art I view it, uh, Megan, that that perhaps we've lost a bit of through the pandemic. We've established some, some habits where we've gotten used to (laughs) maybe being alone, but it's fun to kind of get back out in there and develop and rekindle these relationships but just be a little bit more intentional, everybody, and uh, see see how many people you can impact today. It'll make a huge, huge difference.
1: And it's also going to impact you. That's the thing, right? It's sort of be a little selfish too. Like, guess what? That boosted my mood.
0: Yeah. Those
1: interactions.
0: Point. You know, I was uh, a friend of mine just came down from Canada, and um, she she came to Idaho, which this is about know, two or three weeks ago. But she, she did not have to wear a mask. And she was emotional about it, Megan, in that this is the first time in two years she said that she was able to see other people's face and see other people's smile. And for the other people that are around, I was one of them. It was an emotional moment because I never thought of it that way. But Mm -hmm. yeah, we've been hidden for a couple of years here.
1: Well, I'm, I'm noticing it's with children. We have friends with small children who are two and three years old. The only world they know is one behind masks. Oh my gosh. How crazy is that? They don't even know how to read people's um, facial expressions because they just haven't seen faces. They've been in preschool or daycare or grocery stores with people behind masks.
0: Yeah. Megan, uh, I have some family members that, uh, and I'm not alone in this, I know, but um, family members that uh, battle um, anxiety, a little bit of depression, et cetera. When, when you say, I can do happiness, right, and you have you know, learned these things over the years with science, for someone who's listening that maybe, you know, they're they're every single day, they may be a little bit in the gray. How would your book and these principles help, help them? I know you're not prescribing that, but how, how might they enjoy this book?
1: Well, I think that, first of all, it's never a substitution for proper therapy, medication if you need it. Um, I wish in this country that people could feel more comfortable raising their hand and saying, I need help, whether that's depression or anxiety, the stigmatism around mental illness. People should feel it should be you get you have cancer. You're not embarrassed to tell anyone if you have depression or you're bipolar or schizophrenia. You should not be embarrassed to say that out loud. Um, We need help. My book is a toolkit. It can enhance therapy. It can enhance meds, it can enhance the work you're doing with a professional. Um, I also have family members who suffer with these things. These are things I've suffered from. And this toolkit is is just a complement to those things. I know that there are happiness habits and a happiness routine that when I stick to it, I live better and I live differently and I feel good.
0: Thank you. And I couldn't agree more. I I like to believe that it's we are getting more comfortable talking about mental health um and that's my own my own paradigm do you you think we are
1: i i do and then i'll and then i will hear from a good friend who's struggling who suddenly says to me like well i've been struggling in this for two years and didn't didn't want to tell you my dearest best friend from childhood and i don't want to tell my mother and i'm like what are you are you like you shouldn't have to do this alone. Why is right. there a stigma? So when I think we're making strides, I, I am then sometimes hit with something that that kind of shocks me.
0: Yeah.
1: And I just want to shout from my megaphone, if you're hurting, speak up because it's the only way to get help.
0: Amen. Amen to that. We have covered a lot of ground so far. You're, you are involved in so many things. I admire that about you. You are not sitting on your laurels at all. Brand new book, Your Fully Charged Life, and we've talked about some of the other things here as well. What projects are you working on right now that are giving you the most passion and excitement and joy uh, in your life? What would you point to?
1: So I'm, I'm excited about my podcast. We're going to Nashville for a live event, which I'm really excited about. I'm working on two new book proposals, Uh, So that keeps me keeps my brain busy. Um, And, you know, I love making a magazine. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I like everything I'm doing. And so I'm excited about it all. And if when I stop being excited, I stop doing it.
0: To me, that's one of the many ahas I've gotten from you here is that, you know, my assumption was you are just looking around saying yes to this, this, this and this. But wait a minute, though. You're saying, no, I'll, I'll, I say no to a lot. And that's that's that is difficult to do. And especially as you grow in leadership, the real challenge is to say no to more things to free up your time so you can focus on the things that matter. And I, I made this assumption that, no, you were just saying yes to everything. So sounds like you're, you're really so. being selective, isn't it?
1: And I would say to people, too, it's the the great thing about becoming an expert no-sayer is it really enhances your value. Um, Because when people get a yes from me, it means more. Um, And I find that I, when I have said no, and I thought, wow, this is going to be the end of me. I can't believe I'm saying no to this, but I'm going to say no. It it increased my value, sometimes twofold. It's like that, you know, it's like when you're dating and and you're playing hard to get. Like, you got to really earn a yes from me.
0: I love that advice. And here's, here's a couple of things that I've been trying here lately, Megan, is to try to say no more often. It's not no, not ever. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's no, not right now. In other words, you want me to do that? Uh, no, I can't do it this week or next, but I could do it on March 20th. How would that work for you? In other words, There are some times when it's a definite, no, I am not doing that. There's other times when it's just not the right time right now, but I'd love to be part of that at a a time in the future. Even when I'm verbalizing that, that makes me feel like I'm more in control and empowered as opposed to the other way around. Yes.
1: So I'm really, so something I I like to talk about is the no, but statement. Um, And it's kind of nuanced. So I'm giving you a hard, no, but Here's what I'm willing to say yes to. So an example would be, I love my mom. My mom wants to go to see a community theater play at the regional shore theater on Saturday. No, I don't wanna do that. I was an acting major, I'm an acting snob. I do not wanna sit in this local yokel community theater (laughs) on my Saturday. It's sunny out, I'd rather be doing anything but. So what I'm gonna say yes to is spending time with my mom. I love my mom. I am saying a hard no to community theater. No, but I love you, mom. I value you. I want to spend time with you. So no, but do you want to go to lunch and go shopping at the Grove? We both love to do that. And what I'm saying yes to is you spending time with you.
0: Great advice. That's great advice. I'm going to use that. Um, yeah. and by the way, I'm in community theater here in Idaho. Would you come out into Idaho and watch me in my community? theater?
1: I, it's so funny. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm like a real, I don't love, I don't love sitting through community theater. I, it's hard enough for me to sit through Broadway. Cause I sometimes feel like I'm going to cry and I miss it and I can't, I, all the feelings start to flood through me and I, right. like, yeah. So like hard, no mom, I don't want to do that, but Big picture yes to you because I love you and I value you.
0: That's great. Great advice. So everyone, uh, the the new book is Your Fully Charged Life. And Megan, how should we follow you uh, and stay connected with you?
1: So I'm pretty busy on Instagram at Megan B. Murphy, M-E-A-G-H-A-N, B. Murphy. I also run an account called at The Yay List, which is a good news uh, Instagram that shares daily yays. I'm also really Uh, involved in my community and I run at Bestfield New Jersey for my town as a hobby Um, pick up a copy of Woman's Day you can uh, subscribe to Off the Gram podcast we drop a new show every Monday Um, a lot of wellness topics we take a deeper dive into things that are trending on Instagram Off the Gram Um, we've got some fabulous fabulous guests Um, and I think that's most things.
0: That's really good and I will I have to encourage everyone to yeah the off the gram uh podcast I was telling Megan before we started recording that that looks really interesting so you do have to check that out so Megan best of luck to you in the in your endeavors and a lot of fun having you in the podcast Too.
1: thank you and everybody can pick up my book wherever books are sold yay
0: Your fully charged life here we go thanks Megan thank you Okay, everyone, this is Megan B. Murphy. Make sure now you're following her on Instagram and also her podcast, Off the Gram. Uh, great follow, great information. You're going to love it. Uh, on her podcast, make sure you're binge listening to every episode of the I Dare You podcast first, however. Let's keep our priorities right. But no, all seriousness, it's a great, great podcast. So now, what are we going to do with this information that Megan laid out for us? Here's my challenge to you, picking up what Megan's laying down here. Uh, what can we start saying no to starting today? Um, Make it a habit. Make it a challenge. Stroke count this about how many times you can say no to things today and make sure that what you're saying yes to is aligned with your values and your purpose and what's helping you live a fully charged life. It's not going to be easy (laughs) because we've been ingrained to say yes to everything, but let's start making that shift today. What can we say no to? And if it's easier for you to creep into that, it's no, not ever. It's, you know what? I can't do it right now. But I can do it two weeks from now, three weeks from now, or next month. So let's give that a try and see how that can help us live a more fully charged life. And follow me on Instagram, at Johnson one And this podcast, we have our own Instagram page. And join it. And you'll get some different content there that I think you'll enjoy. It is at IDareYouPod. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, to episode 21 of the I Dare You podcast. I want you to know from me. Sure, appreciate you listening in every single week. We're seeing listeners and viewers growing significantly, and that is all because of you. So thanks for sharing, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.